Well, good morning. Well, that was not loud enough. <laughs> good morning. I'm so excited. I'm so privileged to, to be here speaking today. It's pretty exciting. Today's a special day. Um, on the Christian calendar, it's called Advent. Is uh, Today kicks that off. So um, it's kind of... It's kind of funny, you know, a long time ago, the, uh, the early Christians created this Christian calendar. Uh, they created traditions, and they did this, this stuff on purpose for a good reason. They had good reasons behind it. Sometimes uh, when some of our churches wanted a lot of freedom uh, that left the liturgical ty uh, uh, type of churches, then sometimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we just, we, uh, we lose any of those traditions. And, uh, but I think this is an exciting thing that they came up with was how can we get all of us to focus more throughout the year on what God has done? How do, how do we stay uh, focused on God? Because we forget. I forget. That's why it's cool when I meet someone that's a good journaler about their, uh, you know, someone that's good at journaling about their relationship with God, and you see books and books of things God has done, and if I don't do that, which it's harder for me to do that, but when I have looked back at the ones I have done, I'm like, wow, he was really active in my life, and, um, and I forget. If I don't look back, I forget. So Advent's just uh, one part of this. So what the early church created is actually a cool thing. For th they called it the Christian year or the worship year. I, I like that, the worship year. So I like to look at it as our, our year is called the worship year starting today. And that's, a, uh, that's an exciting thing. Um, the worship year is divided into two cycles. One of them was the cycle of life, which is around Easter and, uh, and that focus. And the other one is the cycle of light which is exciting, Jesus being the light. I liked how he, the light shone over Bethlehem uh, when he came. And that, um, it involves anticipation, which is now anticipating the coming. Advent actually means coming. So it's like the anticipation of the coming of God. And, um, <coughs> and then celebration and proclamation, and it's all around Christmas. So today, um, we are going to start with the anticipation. And uh, during uh, the traditions, they created these candle lighting ceremonies. And today we're going to start off with the one for today that represents hope. So today's focus is hope. It's the hope of Jesus coming and the hope of Jesus in your life. And over the next five weeks, we're going to light each one of those, and then on Christmas Eve, we will do the lighting ceremony, and then we do a candlelight service, which is like the hope spreading and the joy and the peace and the love spreading to all of us. So that's how I look at it. So uh, my lovely assistant, Marie, <laughs> is going to kick off this time right now with our lighting of our hope candle. Thank you. <laughs> so again, th the idea is that you and I uh, focus. It's focusing our hearts on hope. We already have the hope. We just have to see it. One thing I thought about is it, just like when, 
whenever we do the candle lighting ceremony at the end when we all get our candles, but I, I still think of it like this too, is that glimmer of hope is, is like a light. And you've heard the phrase light at the end of the tunnel. If you can see there's light there, then you can hang on till, till the end, no matter what you're going through. And, and so I like to picture myself as that, being lit by the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at our Bibles. So uh, we have Bibles in the windowsills. We have Wi-Fi for all the other electronic Bibles. Yes, we do have the paper ones, like I said, in the window. We also will have it on the screen. We're going to go to Ephesians 1. Yeah, I said open your Bibles, but you're like, where to? Ephesians 1, starting in 17. Ephesians, this is a letter wrote by Paul to the church. And he was writing it and trying to just lift them up. And this is exciting because this part right here is like his his prayer to them. All right, so verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. <laughs> That's exciting. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his in incomparably great power for us who believe. So my first, first point on your outline is Jesus' hope is both individual and corporate. So if you look here in um, 18, he says, he prays that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So that's you individual. But also, he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So it's for the people also. And that's how hope always works. It's, it's really cool if you read the stories of Jesus whenever he arrived as a baby. I mean, look, look what God did. He went to shepherds, you know. He went to wise men. He went to individuals. And I mean, it's like, why? You know, uh, we read through it and we don't ask why each, each time of this. But why, why? But that's how God works because when he blesses, when he brings the, his kingdom to us, when he blesses, he wants to do both. He is so personal and individual for you. He wants to touch you individually and bless you. Like, look, I'm, it is God with us. It is God with you. I am with you. I see you. I love you. I'm trying to do neat stuff with you. That's how he's like. And at the same time, he's like, and this is going to bless everybody, so go bless everyone with this news. And that's what they did. It says that the shepherds went, and they saw the star. The angels come and said, you know, wow, blew them away. And, I mean, this host of angels singing and saying, Jesus the Savior is born over here. And so they went and saw, yes, that's true. And then they went out and told everyone, it said, and then they came back, which, yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, how... How long, how long before they got kicked out? I, that's what I'm wondering. I, would <laughs> I think I would camp out there for a few days, and they'd be like, oh, okay, you know. 
thanks for visiting, but you guys can go now, but I don't know. I, I just wonder, how, you know, would you, would you want to leave? This is the Savior of the world, and they got to share in that moment, but God, God could have just told people. He could have had angels just tell everyone, but he, he told individuals, and then they got to participate, and that's how he does in our lives. A neat story in uh, Jesus' early years also in, in Luke chapter 2 is there's a couple neat stories there, and one of them is this guy named Simeon, who had said, you know, he'd been um, faithful to God his whole life, and he's a prophet, and he was told by God that you will not die until you get to see the Savior, and this is what everyone's been anticipating for 400 years with, without new prophecies, you know, after Isaiah, it, it's like there's no new prophecies about this, and then this guy gets the revelation. God's like, hey, I am going to bless you. You're going to get to see the Savior before you die. And that is just like God. That is just how he is intentional towards us on letting us personally feel it. And there was another lady named Anna, it said, that was a prophet that got to participate too. And they both walked up at their time and went and said to the mom and dad holding baby Jesus and said, prophecies over him. And it was cool, it said the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So you see, even though they've been told by an angel, they actually had an immaculate conception. I mean, they're going through this. They know the reality of this is not normal, but they still ponder and they still are living it out personally, like building their hope. Well, okay, this is real. <laughs> this is not, you know, I mean, you would already, you would think they'd already have it down, but we all need reminder, this is real, and this is hope, and that's, and they got to share. So the people that shared with them, it built them up, you know. The neat feeling of, of sharing hope and blessing to somebody is awesome, and it also built up Mary and Joseph, and it builds up, and it, set, and it was like the, um, the Lady Anna, whenever she went there, it said, I want to have the exact phrase that it said. It said, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. And then it said, she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So she went out just like the shepherds and told everybody <laughs> that she could possibly talk to, and who wouldn't? But it's the same for us today. God, God chooses every day. He chooses to speak hope to you, and he chooses to have that be hope for everyone. So the second point in your outline, Jesus' hope grows when it is shared. So in 1944, when the Soviet Union occupied Romania, a guy you might have heard of, Richard Wurmbrandt, uh, began an underground ministry to his people. So he started underground churches. 
So he was arrested in 1948. So that was four years of underground church growth, and that was awesome. But he was arrested, and, he, and the first time he was arrested, so he'd been arre- he, he got arrested a couple times, but the first time was over eight years. And it said three years were in solitary confinement. And it's like I've seen shows like Shawshank Redemption where someone got out of solitary, and they were like, I was in there 30 days, and that was horrendous, 30 days of no nothing. And they, they said, he said it was so bad, um, so the solitary is trying to keep any noises, anything from you, complete darkness, you're underground, and they went overboard. It's like the guards wore felt shoes, felt soles, so they wouldn't make any noise walking just so they don't want any noise. They want you to be, like, tortured completely with silence. And um, so I, I read about him that he actually, he found a nail, and um, the pipes that ran through the place were where he was at down there below, where he could do Morse code, and he preached, you know, over 350 sermons that each day, to keep him sane, he connected with God, and, and, and God spoke to him, and he preached a sermon, and he would do it in Morse code. So he became, in the darkest place, in the worst circumstance that he could be in, he became hope for all. Imagine the people he saved that would have just, like, I'm not eating, I'm going to die. You know, just to get it over with, I don't, you know, they're at a dark, dark place, and this guy's bringing them not only hope, but Hope for the future with Christ. And he, he got out of jail later. He had people ransom him, ransom him out, even though they had told his family that he was dead. You know, they, whatever they could try, they, like they were scared of him, obviously, but they weren't smart enough to know that they put him right in a parish of his own that he could reach thousands of people. Um, so that's how hope works. It's like when it's shared, it, it just grows. It's just like everything in the kingdom, the kingdom is, and I've, you know, I've shared this before, the kingdom is like a mustard seed, Jesus said. He said it's a mu- like a mustard seed. It's so small, you can't hardly see it. If you drop it, you'll lose it. He, he's like, it starts like that, so tiny. But once it's planted, it grows, and it grows to be the biggest tree where birds can nest in it. And that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful picture of how it works. We are taught by culture, which is ran by Satan, just by the way, throw it out there. Um, we're taught by him from a little up that everything needs to be big, fast, in a hurry. You know, big is better. And the kingdom gets big, but it has to start small. It starts with the smallest thing. This guy thinking, you know what? I'm going to connect with God. You know what? I'm going to share that. And, and he don't know if that's going to be heard. I mean, he's hoping <laughs> again. But that's how it grows. We all want it to be, um, you know, a lot of young people. And I was one of them. You know, how, what's my ministry, God? You know, I feel called to the ministry. What's my ministry? And God's like, well, first, love the person in front of you. That's, that's how it starts. And it's that simple. We'd like it to be bigger and less simple than that. We want it to be ginormous from the get-go. Let's just go blow something up for Jesus, you know. I don't know. Uh, we want to bring walls down, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And, it, and it's when you're trying to uh, pray with someone that's addicted to drugs and you see growth, and then 
two months later, you see a crash. And then you see a little more growth where they're understanding God a little more. And then a crash. It's like, that seems too slow. That seems slow. But when you, when you finally see a breakthrough and complete freedom, it's worth it. Well, at least you've got to remind yourself it's worth it because you run into the next one that that slow growth is so slow and you feel like, no, you know, I want, I want everyone to get it now. But that's now how it works. And we, we don't all, well, hopefully we all don't end up in prison like this guy where we had to do that to, to uh, share. Um, it was, I am uh, fortunate to be a part of uh, the School of Kingdom Ministry. It's something we uh, have going on at our church here. Yes, woohoo! a little shout out. Okay, so our School of, Me- of Kingdom Ministry is really teaching us how to connect with the Holy Spirit and do what he's doing. Like Jesus always said, I'm just doing what the Father's doing. Well, now we just do what the Holy Spirit's doing, and that's what we're trying to learn how to do. So uh, one of the people there shared a story about how they were, um, they were at a restaurant one day, and th- this is someone in, in the School of Kingdom Ministry up in uh, Illinois, they were at a restaurant, they were eating, and God spoke to them. And th- they felt like, and this is something we practice hearing, we hear God, which is, you know, he, they had an impression. It was like, tell that woman she's a good mother. And they were like, well, she don't have kids sitting at the table, so there's a risk here. Because if I go tell her, hey, God tells me that you're a good mother, and she's not a mom, she might slap you. You know, I mean, there, you never know what's going on. But he felt really a strong impression. Go tell her she's a good mother. So he couldn't shake it off. He went and did it. He went over to her. He's like, hey, you know, this may sound strange. He's like, sometimes God, I f- you know, feel like God gives me words for people, gives me something to say to them, and I feel like he wants you to know you're a good mother. Well, she immediately cried. So he knew it connected on some level. Either he's wrong <laughs> or he's right. And, uh, but... Um, He just left it with that, and then it's like a few months later, she ended up, uh, well, she did ask what church he went to, and he told her, but she ended up at his church, and he found out then that she had recently had an 18-month-old get out of sliding glass doors and go drown in the swimming pool at her house, and it was, and it was, they had had their safety precautions in place, and they weren't neglectful. It was just like the few seconds, it only took a few seconds, and, uh, God knew she really, really, really needed to hear in her dark place that she was a good mother. And he used this man who, that sounds scary, right? I mean, if you put yourself in his shoes, how many of you have done that today or this week? You know, how many of us? That sounds scary. But that's the hope we're called to. That's the power we're called to. That's the power of God. The power of God is exactly like that. We have the power. He speaks to us. He speaks to you. And the School of Kingdom Ministry, again, is just trying to teach. But you don't have to go to it right now to learn how to hear God clearer, to practice hearing God clearer. My father always said, you know, there's no limit to the closeness you can get to God. He's like, don't look at me and think, I'm the limit of closeness. You know, you practice getting close and hearing from God. There was another, uh, another person, um, uh, Robbie Dawkins is, is, a, is a preacher. 
evangelist in the vineyard, and he told a story about after one of the conferences, there was a two-day conference. After the first day, this lady left the conference, and she really felt fired up. You know, it's just like she heard a story like that. She's like, I want to hear from God. God, I want to hear from you. I'm going to do whatever you say. And she suddenly felt like it was like God saying, take a left here. She's like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, I'll go along with this. It sounds cool. Uh, Just a a strong impression. Take a left here. Take a right here. And she followed the direction. She ended up in front of a little 7-Eleven store or something. and And then she felt strongly go inside, do a handstand in front of the clerk. And she was like, uh, really? Um, is there other, is there easier instructions than this? I mean, she was like, wow. And she, so she went ahead and thought, okay, well, I, I started this, so I'm going to follow through with it. So she did. She walked in, but then she kind of waited till the store cleared because it only said, he only, she heard clerk. She didn't hear a crowd. So she's like, I'm going to wait, look at the potato chips, and then she walked up there, and she's like, well, how do I do it? Well, she just walked up. She did it. She said, look what I can do, and she did it. I mean, that's, what else could you come up with? I mean, she did it. He looks at her. She gets back on her feet, and he's, he's crying. And he actually said the words just a few minutes ago, God, if you're real, have someone come and do a handstand in front of me if you're real. <laughs> And that's how God works. That's how he brings hope. It's just a little spark for that individual and the other person they shared it with. And now guess what? When I told that story, to just, just think for a second. What did that do to you? What did you feel? I mean, uh, uh, if you're used to feeling God's presence, you felt his presence right then. I know you did, right? I mean, some people don't know what I'm talking about, the tangible presence where you, you, you feel the warmth or the electric or, you know, chills, goosebumps or whatever. But the more you're in tune with that, the more you feel it as soon as, because it's your story now too, it's my story. That wasn't my original story, but now it's my story and it's your story. That's how hope grows. That's how it works. That's how the kingdom spreads. Every time my dad can come up here and tell you 50 stories of God doing stuff 20 years ago, 10 years ago, a month ago, it doesn't matter. Each one of them, as soon as you say it, and you, the Holy Spirit connects, and it's connected. he has connected us all together in that moment. You don't have to have a prison experience to have an experience like this. And it can be just a, you know, I don't get these experiences every day. Sometimes it's just talking nice to my cashier, and she is blessed and can't believe it that the person before there was just cussing her out, and now I'm kind to her and saying, how's your day? I'm sorry. And sometimes I do say, can I pray for you? And sometimes she says, oh, sure. <laughs> oh, sure. And one of them up there, I found out, you know, I didn't realize that she, she thought I knew, you know, because we're so kind to her every time we went there, she thought I knew that her son had died. You know? And so she starts talking about it. I'm like, oh. And this other one had, a, you know, a, a person in their family that murdered someone. So to live with that in your family, you know, and, and, and they wanted prayer. I mean, it's like God's always at work, and we are the hope. Yes. So our, our, our third point is, my favorite point, <laughs> Jesus in you is the hope of the world. Let's, let's read our, our scripture again. Jesus in you is the hope of the world. 
Ephesians 1.17, again, I keep asking, and this is, my, I mean, this is exactly how I feel at church, guys. This is exactly how I feel. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better, and I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people his incomparably great power for us who believe. I want your eyes to be open. <laughs> he wants your eyes. That's his desire so much. That's all, that's all I can, my goodness, I can sense that so much. He's always just, oh, just let them know. You know, I, I want them to know. I want them to know you are the hope of the world, that Jesus, because of the Jesus in you. It's not because of you. You're awesome and he loves you. But you, with Jesus in you, you're the hope of the world. And I'll go ahead and just read Colossians 1.25 really quick. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery, because this is a mystery, guys, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the, again, glorious riches, that's kind of cool, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Again, when, you know, when we talk about... Um, about the world problems and how I said it, it's, it's small things and loving the person in front of you. Jesus talked all about it in Matthew 20, uh, 25, Mark 10, 42, Luke 22, 25. Uh, Peter wrote it, 1 Peter 5, 3. He said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, and me. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, who is Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's it, guys. Leadership in the kingdom of God is service. You want to know your calling, it's to serve. That's your calling. Serve whoever's in front of you. You serve, and if God thinks you're just serving um, too well there, then he may uh, move you somewhere else after he finds your replacement. Um, he may have you talk to thousands or millions, but he may have you talk to one or two. He may have you be like Mother Teresa, who decided to um, pray for people that could give nothing back ever and who were going to die. She knew they were going to die, and she served them. That's who she served. She's like, I'm going to serve these people that are outcasts because they're dying, and everyone else is like, they're going to die. I mean, they can't give anything to, you know, nothing, except for they're just trying to hang on. And she's taking away some of their pain if she can, and she's showing them dignity in their worst hour. And that would definitely not fall under America's uh, view of how to minister, but... 
that's God's way to minister. We want to create nice programs for something like that, but she didn't need a program. She loved. And we all have the same thing in front of us. We, but it's always the same, guys. Each of you has a different everywhere than me. 100%. And your everywhere changes every day. And so does mine. How many times have I missed a chance to tell some lady that she's a good mother that needed it? I know I have. So when I, thi when I think back to, you know, what do I want? You know, what does God want? Because I always have to ask that before I get up here and speak. What does God want with us today? You know, what's the point he's, he's wanting to bring home? Well, number one, uh, he wants you to get it. <laughs> he wants you and I to get it. He wants you and I to know that we have that hope. Sometimes the hope's in you, but you're hurting, right? You may not be in prison right now, but you may be in some sort of prison right now. Sometimes just to know that you have, that there is hope is, is enough to, to get you through. I've been in some very dark places in my life. I've been divorced. I've been hateful. I've hurt little kids' feelings before, which always makes me cry thinking about it afterwards now. But God has uh, restored some of that. He And, well, he has... <laughs> He's went a thousand times over with blessing me by letting me um, be a blessing to the children of this church and be a blessing to anyone I get to pray for and be kind to. But I'm still mean sometimes. And if you haven't seen that, then thank God. <laughs> thank God for those little graces. Again, the world teaches us when uh, we run into a problem. When I run into a problem at work, so recently I have, you know, something happened at work, and it, something seemed very stressful. And my initial instinct is to A, feel stressed, B, you know, get anxious about it, C, start gossiping about it. You know, I'm frustrated, I want to tell everybody. Uh, the list goes on and on. The way of handling a problem, that's my individual hope that is needed. And God's knocking on my door <laughs> all throughout that thing. Vince, can I interject here? I'm like, not now, I'm busy. I'm telling everyone my thing. But when I finally, when I finally slow down and listen, and he, and he gets to speak to me, he's like, why don't you talk to me about that? And I say, okay, so I do. And my goal is always, I, I want to do that quicker. You know, I, I would rather not do those other steps because I don't have to. The first step is, God, look at this big situation. I had a situation at a job one time that there was a maintenance issue that needed to be fixed. It hadn't been fixed for years, and I thought it was kind of unsafe and stuff. And uh, 
and I was frustrated and I was tempted to just email over the manager's head that was in charge of that and just and do all this stuff and I was gossiping about it and, you know starting to gossip about it I just and I was really tempted to just go into this fury of it and God stopped me and was like Vince this isn't going to turn out how you think it is if you do what you're doing and I was like yeah I guess you're right so uh, so I listened to him so I prayed I said okay God I trust you I do I trust you and I prayed. And in just a few weeks, the right person noticed this maintenance issue, and they demanded it got fixed. And it got, in a few weeks, it got fixed. And it was so funny. There was a guy working for me, something that, you know, and he was like, Vince, that's been broke for years. What did you say to that manager, you know? And I was like, <laughs> I was like he didn't listen to me. I said, I went and prayed. And I, I'm like, I'm serious. I was like, this is, and I told him the whole story too. I was going to email. I was, you know, I was, I was fired up and God said no. So I'm telling my God story and it got fixed. And he's like, you know, like, holy cow. Wow. He was amazed. And he's like, well, tell God that that needs fixed too. <laughs> so, and I said, I will. And I prayed in front of him and it got fixed. I mean, like, Two days later, it was fixed. That was me sharing hope of God's way of intervening in my life. 